Amen. Grab a seat, your honours. It's awesome. Thanks, musicians and sound guys and AV guys at the back. And um, having a phenomenal time. Who's enjoying life? Yes, life is fun. Yeah, <laughs> life is good. Even when times get tricky and hard, you know, life is still good. Good in Him. And um, I've been away this week, was up at the Manifest Presence, and I uh, got to spend some time with Ingrid. The two of us went up there, and, and Jeanette and Graham were there, and some other people were there. And it was a good time, and it was just hanging out and being amongst other people from around the around the nation. And um, one of the things that they talked about, or it was just a picture and it reminded me of a, a, a picture God gave me two years ago when I was sitting roughly about there uh, in a prayer meeting that we were having on Friday mornings was a picture of a glass house. And um, I was just praying and I saw this picture of this glass house. Any keen gardeners here? Anyone a keen gardener? A couple of people? And uh, two or three people, that's awesome. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I don't really know too much about gardening at all. Uh, in fact, if you let me loosen your garden, I'd probably kill your garden. And uh, we bought a house without a garden. That's how much I hate gardening. But um, I'm pretty good with a, uh, a weed eater. And so I went out and bought a weed eater. I love my weed eater. It's awesome. I feel like a man with a weed eater. You know, it's like... And then on the weekend, I went and bought a hedge trimmer. And uh, so that's pretty cool too. It's just sort of, you know, one hand you hold the weed eater, the other hand you hold the hedge trimmer and you look like... Rambo Gardener, you know, it's like, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Got my safety glasses on and away we go. And um, anyway, um, this glass house and, um, you know, inside a glass house, purposes of a glass house is to create life. And uh, when I was at NZ Safety, I would go around and I would visit different orchards and, and, and horticulture places and stuff. And there was massive glass house and you would go into them and there'd be heat, there'd be moisture, there'd be fertilizer that was that was being sprayed and so two years ago I saw this vision of a glass house and then I was reminded of that as I said at manifest presence and the person was talking about a kingdom glass house and what's inside a kingdom glass house that produces life you see a glass house is put up for the intention of growing life isn't it it's very intentional inside a glass house. If you have too much heat, it can kill what you're trying to grow. If there's not enough heat, it can kill. If bugs get in there, it can cause whatever you're trying to grow to be killed. It's an intentional environment of creating life. And so it is with the kingdom. And God started showing me that there's a, what's that, a picture of a glass and inside it was like kingdom culture. Because inside you're trying to develop a culture that births life. And it's no different to the culture that God is birthing right here and around the globe right now. He's creating a culture, a life, a value system of life. And I want to continue on. I pray that they would be one, part four. I pray. Is anyone enjoying this or is it just me? <laughs> I mean the series, not just today. 
I'm loving digging down and getting deeper in him and, and him almost unlocking some of these things that he's starting to show me as to why he prayed this prayer. And we've looked at that why. We've talked about what is it? What is oneness? And we talked about being a oneness in spirit. We are all one in spirit because we've all received that spirit. But then God wants to take that and expand that to a oneness in thinking. And a oneness in speech, a oneness in our ability to see, a oneness in our ability to hear, and a oneness in our doing, in our action. Because at the end of the day, that's the purpose of Christianity. Jesus came and he acted upon the earth, didn't he? And we are all the byproduct of his action. And so this culture, this kingdom culture of oneness that he's trying to bring us into more and more is that it's a culture of seeing like Christ not just as one person but as a community of people being able to see the same thing do we know how powerful that is interactions good <laughs> that was a question <laughs> is he talking to me don't know if we all saw as Christ sees, can you imagine the unity? Can you imagine the oneness? Can you imagine the lack of confusion there would be? And the absolute oneness that we would have? What about if we all heard the same thing? Wow, thank you, wow! Imagine walking away going, man, did you hear what the Holy Spirit said? Unbelievable. Those who have ears, I pray that they would hear what the Spirit is muttering to the churches. What's he saying right now? What's the Holy Spirit saying to the church right now? Not just this church, the church around the globe. Things are kicking off, aren't they? Things are kicking off. What's the Holy Spirit saying to his people? What are we speaking I mean, if there's one thing that destroys unity, it's this. Such a small thing, isn't it? But such a powerful instrument to create life or death. I mean, I remember saying that time I was with Madeline and she was about two and a half. And she'd just done something and I said, Madeline, stop being an egg. She said, I'm not an egg, Daddy, I'm a human being. What was that? You know, we get frustrated. We speak death. Let's speak life. To see like Christ, you speak life. I see the God in you. You see the God in me. And we draw it out of one another. Not, oh, I don't get that. Or that guy, whatever. And then to act like Christ. To act like David did when he was persecuted by Saul. To be able to say the words that Stephen said when he's being stoned. You see, we might say, oh, well, yeah, it's okay for Christ to say, Father, forgive them. But what about Stephen? When Stephen is being stoned to death, the man utters the same words that Christ uttered. I mean, I don't know, when I saw that, I mean, oh my goodness, God, you must have been so much in him and his relationship with you and what he was doing. And it says he was full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. How much is full of faith? 
I reckon full of faith is so full it's coming out of you. It's leaking out of you. The Holy Spirit's in you so much. The Bible says that God does not give the Spirit by any measure. And so it's unlimited what we can ask for in Him attached to His will, isn't it? How much do you want the Holy Spirit? You who know who are evil, who know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father give you what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. So how much can you have? Woo! This is good. I'm loving this. This is good. I keep these. Woo! Woo! Yeah, good. I get encouraged. How much... Can you have of Him? How much do you want? Once again, not from a selfish motivation, not from a motivation of just I, but from a motivation of seeing His glory manifested through you and I. That other people would see Him. That's why I want more of Him. That other people would see Him. That I would be transformed. That other people would come to understand and see Christ. Why? Because there's so much of the Spirit of God in me. I can't control it. I can't minimize it. I'm in overflow. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the Scripture says, from their innermost being will flow rivers. Oneness in him. Looks like that. And one another. Being perfected into it. See, it's a process, isn't it? We engage on this process. And so, this morning, I want to talk about how. And there's a number of hows. And um, so, I'm going to sort of just talk about one today. And then we're going to unpack them as we go along. But you know, when we pray this prayer, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. What we're praying is what I've just said. You make the correlation? So, I pray your kingdom come, thy will be done. I pray, Father, that I will be like you and the Father. In me, through me. I pray that the value system of the Son and the Father would be my value system. I pray that the value system that you hold in your heart, would be my value system. What sort of value system do they have in their lives? Oneness. They were one with one another, weren't they? He says you, I in you, and you in me, and I pray that they would be in us. Love. Agape love. Unconditional love is a value system that they held. That's to be in us. Listen to these things. I just wrote these down as they came. Humility, grace, mercy, freedom, praise, celebration, wisdom, wonder, faith, generosity, abundance, power, peace, joy, righteousness. I mean, those are just like about, I don't know, 12 things. They just start. That the value system that's in Him and the Father would be in us. And it's fully possible for you and I to walk in that reality. Yes? But you know what we have to do? What we're hearing today, we've got to attach faith to it. We've got to believe by faith. Then go, man, sometimes that gap seems like so far apart from my reality, it can demotivate me. 
It can almost paralyze me into a state of nothingness. Trust me, I know. And God starts showing you the fullness of what he has and beyond that. And all can almost go, it's just too big for little old me. Well, who's little old me? I'm a son of the king. That's who I am. This is my identity. So that's not too big. I'm going to move towards it by faith to believe to come into it. Because he's bought me with a price that I would come into this oneness and this posture with him. Anything's possible, isn't it? With him. You see, if he goes poof and there's light, he can lead me into that reality. Yeah? So, this is what this whole thing's about. That I'm talking about. It's not just, oh yeah. No, it's, oh yeah? (laughs) Really? Listen to this. We are literally beyond the process of being transformed into Christ's likeness. Modeling the value system and coming into the wonder of this oneness in Him and with one another and living from this perspective. This is His will for you and I. What's the will of God for my life? That right there. No, no, I think it might be something else. It's that right there. And even if you ask that question, you think it's something else, why don't you just entertain that for a little while? Why don't you allow that to permeate into your thinking? So the will for your people is that we would literally have the same value system and live in that that you had in the Father. Man, that sounds like the will of the Father. Because the enormity and the bigness of it. To help me to come into it, Father. This is the church's maturing process. It's our apprenticeship. It's our training ground. So we all, everyone say, we all. We all receive and partake of all he has for us. Now and the future. Do you want what he has for you now? And do you want what he has for you in the future? Or is life just too busy? Is life just, I don't know. I mean, I'm really excited. The fact that I've benefited from Sky not showing English Premier League football on the telly anymore. Let me put it into a picture. I've actually benefited because you know why? Because I bought this package, which means I can watch football now online. And the challenge for me is to keep seeking him and to keep following him because it would be so easy for me to go back to all this love that I have. It would be really easy for me to just go back and start consuming myself with Liverpool and who they're buying and and all that stuff and what is it going to look like. And man, I'm up at four in the morning, but you know what? I can't get here on time. But I can get up at four o'clock in the morning. I can get up three times a week and watch them at two in the morning But God, gee, I'm just too tired now. Anyone else? And yet over this side, God is going, I have so much, so, so much right now. If you would turn your affection that way and turn it on to me. And I'll even give that back to you, but it'll be defined by me so it won't be an idol anymore, Greg. And there's a freedom in it as well. You see, God has so much now and in the future as we come into this oneness. So here's the question. 
How do we become one in thinking, hearing, seeing, speaking, and doing with God, His Son, and with one another? This is just all I'm going to say to you today. So once again, I know I'm saying a lot of things, but if there's this, just hear this. By allowing humility to be formed and developed in us. Let me read it again. By allowing humility to be formed and developed in us. In other words, humility is a value that builds a kingdom glasshouse culture of oneness in spirit. If we don't have, or if it's not being developed because it's ongoing, a humble spirit, humility, then we can forget about oneness with one another especially. Because pride will be the thing. See, the opposite of humility is pride. Pride gets in the way of spirit-led oneness. It's what you read about. How is it that when Jesus comes on planet Earth, the people who are praying for Him can't see Him? Because they're full of a haughtiness. They're full of pride. Not humility. And so they don't recognize Christ when He's right in front of them. See, we won't recognize truth if we're full of pride. When it's maybe presented. And so do we have a humble spirit that goes like a Berean? Man, I've come here with an eagerness to hear. And now I'm going to go search that out to see whether that's just true. Because there's a humbleness that enables me to hear that without either writing it off or judging it or coming with a critiquing spirit. And so I come with this posture of humility. And so, once again, how do you get oneness of seeing, thinking, hearing, speaking, action? We must be posturing a heart of humility. So here's a question, and this is a question. What is the first beatitude on the Sermon of the Mount? No, it's not blessed are the meek. That is in there. Blessed Blessed are the poor in spirit. Very good. Continue that on, Tess. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I love this thought that I heard that Mike Hewitt said. It's the B attitudes. The B. Not the do. The B Attitudes. Have an attitude in you of being humble and spirit. Be the very thing. Be a Christian. You don't do Christianity. You are it. Be love. Be mercy. Be grace. Be, be, be. The be attitudes. And the first be attitude is blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean? What does blessed are the poor in spirit mean? Because it's these people that inherit the kingdom of heaven. And it's number one off the ranking. Now here's the other question. Does God do everything by intention? Absolutely. So why isn't it number six? Do you think there's a purpose why it's number one? On the Sermon of the Mount. This is... What we would put up there as, this is a massive thing God was saying. 
You see, the disciples have just moved in signs and wonders. He's moved through with them and he's been praying and, and sorry, ministering and healing in Decopolis. He's been doing all this stuff. And I can imagine this because it's the start of their ministry. And he says, right, guys, you've seen me do all this stuff. And they go, yeah, man, it's amazing. He says, that's cool. Now come up the mountain with me and I'm really going to now tell you what it's all about. That's awesome. But I'm really now going to tell you, if you want to follow me, what it's really about. I'm going to talk about an internal, invisible transformation into my image and my father's image where you're going to be it. And from that place, you'll do those things. Oh, we just quite like laying on the hand stuff. Awesome. So do I. But look, blessed are the poor in spirit. Number one, for theirs is the kingdom. What does it mean? I'm going to read it out. It means you have a revealed knowledge of how absolutely bankrupt you are spiritually. That there is nothing good or worthy in you. And it doesn't matter what you do or how good you try to be, your nature is corrupt and fallen from birth. Without His grace, we are all catastrophically in despair. Shall I read that again? It means you have a revealed knowledge. See, this is massive. To have a revealed knowledge of who you're not. <laughs> I think I'm pretty someone. I've said this before. You know, he got a real cool cat when he got Greg Simner. Man, you don't know how lucky you got that God. I don't think so. <laughs> not at all. See, when he reveals to you the gap between you and him and why he had to come, how you were in despair. In fact, the Bible says you even hated him and you were evil and there was nothing in you that was anything like him. You were so far gone. The gap was just a trillion apart that he had to come and rescue you out of a revealed knowledge of really what lives within but because of his incredible love, he comes. It's a revealed knowledge how absolutely bankrupt you are spiritually. There's nothing that I can do to get myself out of this iniquity and this nature that lives in me. And neither can you. And you totally understand that. The helplessness of that. Okay? There is nothing good or worthy in us and it doesn't matter what you do or how good you try to be, your nature is corrupt and fallen from birth. Without His grace, without His intervention, we are all catastrophically in despair. And so we receive Him. But you know what the amazing thing is? is to keep As you receive Him, you need to hold on to that real where you've come from. Because it's the motivation that empowers you to go forward. It illuminates how massive he is. And I'm forever thankful that he revealed that to me 14 years ago. And it's the very thing that keeps me grounded. Don't ever think more highly of yourself, Simnor, because remember where you came from. Remember that without me, you're screwed. doesn't matter what you do, it's me in you. There is still nothing good in you, son. Hear what I'm saying. I'm a son of God and I'm going to move in that identity. But who is it that moves through me? It's not me, it's him in me. 
And so the thing that I hold on to is an anchor which keeps me birthed in humility. It anchors me into that posture. Don't ever think you've arrived. Don't ever think more highly. Don't ever think you're better. But now move in your identity as a son. And allow me to shape you and mold you and see the kingdom come through you. But make sure you don't think more highly. Because what happens is you get people that put themselves up on pedestals and they think they're God. And now everyone must bow down to Greg. Because I've arrived somewhere that you haven't. No. That's happening today. Happening in the church. Realizing you are in this posture is an absolute position of strength in the spirit. It's a strength to realize where you've come from. It's a strength to realize who you're not. And it's a strength, obviously, to realize who you are in him. Can you hear what I'm saying? I hope you can. If you don't, keep coming to me afterwards with clarity. Because here it is. It's the birthing point of kingdom humility. That's why it's the first beatitude. See, when you realize who you are without Him, when He reveals that to you, and He reveals Him coming and the love that He came to rescue you out of that, it's the birthing point for humility. My goodness! How could I ever think I'm someone in you? And I say it in the negative, okay? In the negative. How could I ever walk around like a peacock? How could I ever judge Chris? How could I ever judge anyone else's issues? How can I when I realize where I've come from? How can I ever look at a brother and sister and point the finger? Greg, turn the finger back on you, son, and remember where you've come from. You see, the opposite of this is self-righteousness. It's pharisaical. And it's rampant in the church. Why? Because we haven't had necessarily a revealed knowledge of who we actually are without Him. And somehow we actually think we're better than other people. Why? Because I didn't do this and I didn't do that. And I've been a good boy and I've kept all the rules. Look at me, I'm sparkly Christian. Really? Doesn't matter what you've done, how good you've tried to be, you're still this without me. And remember, that comes with you when you enter in. So you're a son, but you're still a fallen one. So let go and move forward into that. Don't ever think more highly than yourself and start pointing the finger. And this is what Jesus was saying. He was trying to create oneness. He's hanging out with sinners. He's hanging out with tax collectors. And he's reclining with them. And he's sharing who he is with them. And he's trying to bring them into this oneness of thought, of spirit with him. Action speaking and the religious crew all turn up and say, what? What on earth is he doing hanging out with those people? And what does Jesus say to them? He I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your burnt offerings. He says, what I want? He says, I want you to go away and learn compassion. I want you to come into a love posture. A oneness posture. See, they weren't thinking like him, seeing like him. Their speech weren't of him. They're dogging him and them. He says, go away. I don't want your offerings. I don't want all the stuff. You can give me this as much as you like. It's worthless. Go away and learn what I'm talking about. He takes the mickey. He says, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. See, they would have gone, that's right. We don't need a doctor. He was talking to them. 
He wasn't talking to the people that were with him. But they thought, he's probably talking to them. That's right, they need a doctor. Listen to what King David said about that. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Psalm 138.6 For though the Lord is exalted, yet He regards the lowly, but the haughty He knows from afar. That's interesting, isn't it? He actually knows the haughty, but from afar. Failure to recognize this place of spiritual bankruptcy sets us up for the complete opposite posture. Self-righteousness. And self-righteousness, which is pride, kills and destroys oneness in spirit. We can't have oneness in spirit, meaning thinking, seeing, acting, if pride is in this. Because pride will go, nah, I believe it. Nah, disagree. But when love and unity are the goal, you can move past that and enter into something because you put yourself back here. Because the purpose is oneness. The purpose is oneness. The goal is to maintain a oneness. What does that mean? It means I've got to let go of me. It's not about me getting my pound of flesh. It's about a oneness in Him. Self-righteousness pride is like the bug that gets into the glass house and attacks what is being grown. It kills life. It kills oneness. The prodigal son, the older brother, what's the older brother modeling? The father is so excited that his boy has come home and yet the older brother The father's so excited. Yes, he's blown the inheritance. Yes, he may not have lived by the rules. And the older brother is like, how can you treat him the same way? Self-righteousness manifesting pride. Why? Because the older brother has no concept of this position I just talked about. None. And it's destroying or possibly destroys the oneness that the father is trying to bring both boys into with himself, yes? He's restoring the younger brother who's literally thrown his life around but he gets a revelation of the mistake he's made. He comes back and the father phenomenally wants to put all the the robe and the the shoes and throw the party. He wants to reestablish him like that back into the position that he was when he left. So the father's got this arm doing this and he's reaching out to the other brother who's self-righteous and he's going, guys, come together and let's be one. 
Can you see the fight for it? What's going to happen? What's going to be needed for the self-righteous brother to come into that posture and love like the Father loves? Exactly. A humility of heart. Having a broken spirit and a contrite heart, a posture of humility, which remember is a posture of strength, enables you to receive from others. And the Father, because if we want to be these people of oneness and be perfected into oneness of thinking, sight, hearing, speech, and action, then we need to be able to receive from others. That's why God's put us all together. (laughs) Everyone chuckles. (laughs) That's why the person beside you, behind you, is your brother and sister in Christ. I said that last week, of the spirit stronger than of the physical. But we tend to live the other way around. We tend to think the physical and make it stronger than the spiritual. Flesh is, sorry, blood is greater than water, yep. But is it greater than what the Father's trying to birth on the earth? To see a community that's so one with one another in love and grace and power that the people of the earth are so astounded. And who do they see? God. See, it's God's beautiful, perfect process. But for us to actually come into that, we have to let go of a whole lot of thinking and a whole lot of thought patterns and seek Him for His reality. Because He speaks it throughout the Scripture. Who are these people? He looks at His disciples and He says, brothers. His mother and His brother are over there. These people, the ones that do my will, they are actually my brother and sister and my mother in Christ. I know that's my physical bloodline. And remember I said, dads, I'm hoping, he's saying, I want to bring my mother and my brother into this reality. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to grab these people and I'm going to walk with them and lead them into this reality. Seek first the kingdom reality. And I'll add this. See, this is freedom. This is where the life is. That still is actually caught up possibly in bondage and being locked and controlled. Don't get married because you get married, you'll be more consumed with your wife than you will about me. Nothing wrong if you're married. Make sure you maintain that posture. Huge, eh? This, this is, this is stuff I'm going through. Personally, uh, man, really? I've been brought up that she used to be the most important person in my world. That's what the culture I was brought up in. Wife and your children, they're the most important people. Not behind me, son. I am. I am jealous for every bit of you. Every bit. Don't set them up as idols. Don't have them as things you love more than me. It's called spiritual adultery. Don't play the harlot, Israel. He's not talking to me, is he? Love me with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. This beautiful person that God has aligned me with, 
first place priority is to bring me into spiritual oneness. That the two become one. I've said this before. I think God's absolutely brilliant. He puts me with someone who is similar but different to create a oneness in spirit. To love Danielle like Christ loves me will be the death of me. And for her to serve me as where to serve him will be the death of her. And what do you think you get out of that? Oneness in spirit. Now you take children, you bring your children into this reality, Greg and Danielle. Then you have children, then you have oneness. Then you take a life group and you bring it in. Then you take a community and you bring it in. You know what you've got? You've now got 700,000 people who are one with the Father and seeing, hearing, or on the process of becoming, and a world looks and goes, I know that I've never seen that anywhere on planet Earth. That's got to be someone that's not human. Who is it? And then the community are going, his name is Jesus Christ. Well, can I get to know him? You can. What a huge task for you and I. But it is fully, fully possible and humility is one of the value systems that empowers it. Last week I shared about going diving. Did you hear that? And going diving to a depth where someone's at 400 meters and they're seeing rainbow fish. And someone else is at 100 meters and they're seeing gray fish. It's no different to climbing a mountain. Here's the other analogy, going up the mountain. Someone's at 20,000 feet at the mountain. And they look out and they can see the landscape. My goodness, the aerial view that this person has at 20,000 feet is truly phenomenal. And there's another person on the mountain and they're 1,000 feet. And their viewpoint is also phenomenal to the person that's on the ground. But the person at 20,000 feet shouts down to the person at 1,000 feet and says, Fred, you've got to come up here because I can see Mount Everest from here. And I'm in Auckland. Really? I can only see... Tokorola. God bless Tokorola. Now you gotta see it. I can see someone there skiing on Mount Everest. Phenomenal. I can see the, the, the pictures and all the things. It's amazing. Oh, I don't know about that. Nah, I don't believe you. Well, why don't you come up and have a look? Oh, I'm quite happy being at a thousand feet. And there's nothing wrong with a thousand feet. You just don't get to see what's at 20,000 feet. And so what's required in the heart of the person who's at 20,000 feet and the person at 1,000, both is humility. Both is love. Will the person at 20,000 feet come down the mountain to take the person up at 1,000 feet? Why? Because unity and oneness is the goal. And they want the person at 1,000 feet to experience everything that they're seeing knowing that the mountain has still got another 20,000 feet to conquer. So they're not also in the fullness of it all either. 
And does the person at a thousand feet actually want to go up the mountain? Because they realize it's going to require some change. It's going to require some letting go. There's different gear you need for 5,000 feet than you need a 1,000 feet. And is humility going to be expressed in the heart of that person? Or is there pride there? Arrogance. I'm just not interested or I don't even believe. You see, we have to learn how to receive the gifting on every person in this room. Because it's God-given. We have to come to a place where we're humble enough to receive what God has for us. Listen to what Proverbs 18.12 says, Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. You see, put it this way, if I'm going to honor what's on Chris or Bella, there must be humility in my heart before I can do that. We try and do it without humility, and it's called false honor. But for me to truly honor what's on these guys, then I have to be humble to receive it. Because what comes out of him may be completely different to my paradigm of thought. Mom, what are you talking about? I have no concept of what you're even going on about. So am I humble enough to go, well, can I walk with you to discover whether this is true? Can, I, can we walk together? Can we seek together? Because I'm seeing the difference. I'm seeing the life. I've seen something. You know what? I want it. It doesn't threaten me. It actually motivates me. I'm not threatened by Chris or Bella or Simon or Danielle or whoever else or what's on them. It motivates me. Can I celebrate the fact and speak life into it? Thank you that you are in a measure with Him and that your intimacy is so alive that it creates a wonder and a hope in me that I could receive that too. Rather than this threatens me and I'm now going to walk away because I don't understand. Or it scares me because I don't know what that's going to mean for me or it's going to cost me. You see the different heartbeats? One is a sonship and one is a slave mentality. One is in fear and one is in faith. And God calls all of us for everything He has for us because we're all sons. But humility is the thing in our hearts that will empower our ability to receive. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. So here's the question, and we can have the team back. That's my last question, so I'm finishing. How do we, how do we become these people of humility that births oneness? Humility is found in Christ and Christ alone. Let me say that again. How do we become these people of humility? 
Humility is found in Christ and Christ alone. So if I want a greater reality of humility, I must receive a greater reality of Christ as I seek Him. On the revelation of the Christ, I will build my church. You see, what we do is this. We do activities to try and learn how to be humble. So I'll wash someone's feet to try and learn humility. There's nothing wrong with that per se. But just because I do that does not mean humility is actually in me. I can do that as just an action and nothing changes. But if I receive more of Christ, which can happen through that process, But if I say, Father, I want more of you. If all wisdom and all treasures are contained within you, and if I am hidden in Christ, then I want more of that. So, Father, this morning and tomorrow and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and then Monday, Tuesday, I want more of you in me. The Bible says that on the revelation of you, your son, that I am grown because I am a living stone. So I want more. You show me more. I want more of the Holy Spirit, what I started with. I want more. Show me who I am in you, who you are in me, because it's from the inside out. It's the life of Christ in me coming out. It's revealed. It's knowing of, not just knowing about. And that transaction happens in, because the more I know Him, the more humble I am. It's an attitude, remember? It's a place of being. I'm being perfected into this oneness. And it comes through the Spirit. It's not of the flesh. I just can't make that happen. So even when I'm doing this action of washing Chris's feet, I must be asking the Holy Spirit to lead me into this reality of being humble. Because I can do the act, walk away, and I'm still full of pride. Still full of me. But then you see me, I I did that, or I washed the toilets, or I went to my next door neighbor and I washed their car. I was humble. Then what's this other thing manifesting out of you right now? When your brother or sister came to you and corrected you or said something to you, or you weren't invited to X or invited to Y, you got left off the party list. Why is this thing manifesting? See, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are those people that allow the Spirit of God to bring them into a reality in the Spirit. So oneness in the Spirit with Him, we're connected. Oneness in thinking, sight, hearing, speaking, acting. Man, my heart is to be part of and it is and to be more of a community of people where we're just same spirit, same love, same mindset, intent on one person, purpose. You know the power of the spirit in that? There would be a bond with the person beside you that you don't have today. There would be an infinity 
it would be such a three strand to put in together strength that a world has not seen this anywhere. That's possible, guys. That's possible in him. As we just let go. Got to let go. That's where the fight is. My will. Your will. That rages in me all the time. But my will. No, son. My will. Lord, I want to thank you for these awesome people. I want to thank you for what you're building in the spirit. I want to thank you that that manifests in the flesh. It comes out of us, so it's a living reality. It's not just something that stays in outer space somewhere, but it actually hits planet Earth. And it's tangible, and we can experience it. It's you. It's you in us. And so, Father, today, and as we go forward tomorrow, and on Tuesday as a people, your people, sealed by the Holy Spirit, sealed, empowered by the Spirit, given your living Scriptures, illuminate your living Word to us, Father, as we read, as we pray. Living stones being built, pillars that support the truth, Thank you that you're building a glass house culture of life, spirit, and life. And as we seek you, Father, continue to lead us into all truth. Open our eyes, open our ears. I pray for faith to be released. And as we walk this together, I pray we would honor one another and what's on each other. Lord, we would just, the mountain is limitless. And that we would all be moving up that mountain, celebrating with one another, praising with one another, encouraging one another, lifting each other up, carrying one another at times, maybe. Sharing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We declare that into being, Lord God. Continuing into being what you've started and building. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Why don't we stand and thank you, Lord.